Should we just start calling it a Fresh Prince Friday? Because we have so much going on that you could say what my guy, Jazz, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air once said. Man, you loaded! <laughs> yes, one of the all-time great lines that you may not know, but you should. So, of course, that's why we're here today in the fast lane. Uh, but we are, and that's why we look at Liberty Men's Basketball to start things off today in the fast lane and their victory against Middle Tennessee last night. So it's ironic because those were two teams that were, were projected to be at the top of the men's basketball standings in the initial Conference USA, for whatever it's worth, preseason polls. Yet Liberty managed to roll over a Middle Tennessee State team that, having seen other teams in person, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, and others over at our spot. Go home, the Bel Air! The Flames looked much bigger than Middle Tennessee. And that's not a good thing because we bemoaned at times how this is a shorter than average Liberty team for every position across the board. And doing a lot of the little things is required for them to win these type of games. But it was amazing how Liberty still looked more overwhelming than Middle Tennessee did last night. Two teams that looked like they you know, were constructed for some other conference, not the modern version of Conference USA. But to their ever-loving credit, the Flames are a game away from being 500 in conference play. They are preparing themselves very well to avoid being in that playing game, and therefore you'd only have to win three games to win the Conference USA tournament and get into the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. So things are still in front of Liberty in that regard. But last night, you know, as much as anything, the Flames managed to win a game where Joseph Vinzant was out because of that shoulder injury. And they got another contribution from Brody Peoples, who started off effectively for Liberty, didn't even attempt a three-pointer, but helped establish the tone of, Attack. Tonight they were they had an off night that really helped our cause. But I thought our guys really rallied on the defensive end. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of space on the floor when uh, when Brody's in the game, and thought he played terrifically well. So does Zach. But we had some guys that came in and did some little things to uh, kind of uh, alleviate uh, Joseph's absence. And I uh, thought uh, this was a really good team win because uh, Middle's dangerous. I'm telling you, they'll be a factor in the conference tournament. Uh, that guy that sits on that sideline is a terrific coach. So I mean, I, I know you know th- that's been a bugaboo for Richie McKay, but I mean, I, I looked at Liberty, and I, I've been critical at times of of them. Although I've also think we've been very fair and praiseworthy as well in the fast lane. But I mean, you can only do so much with what you got. And Richie McKay has gotten a lot out of this Liberty team, but I do think the upside is greater than Middle Tennessee. Now, to their credit, Brody Peoples helped establish that. And my thought was they just didn't take a lot of three-point attempts. 13 attempts for the game for Liberty overall. It wasn't the most prolific night in terms of just flat out seeing what you could get from three-point range. But Richie McKay actually said that he thought it was the strategy of Middle Tennessee to run the Flames off the line that caused Liberty to be as aggressive as they were from the get-go attacking the ramp. I think that was their plan to run us off the three. We obviously shoot a lot of threes and uh, but we, we hopefully we're a program that takes what the defense gives us and, and maybe our guys read the, all the social media stuff about our three-point attempts and decided to, uh, to listen to the, the media. I don't know. But uh, I just felt like we did a really good job of, of attacking the paint and obviously when you have a guy like Zach Cleland uh, and the, the spacers that we have, you got to kind of make a decision on how you want to play us. 
I mean, I, I don't think we've said anything. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, is someone finally listening to you, Ed? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think we've said anything. You can go back and check it out. Fastly Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts, because and guess what? We keep receipts. We do at Fastly Ned Lane. But I mean, for Liberty last night, you know, yeah, okay, they shot over fifty percent from three point range, but they really didn't have to attempt that many. Because Middle Tennessee, I mean, again, Liberty, for as, as short as they are in every area, they're at least thick and well-built, and that, that contributes to assisting in their mindset of being a tough team, which is how you know, I'd say Liberty has gotten to a 15-9 record overall and a game away from getting back to 500 in Conference USA despite their obvious deficiencies. Now it's going to get more challenging. Louisiana Tech beat Liberty earlier this year. They're at the top of the conference standings. That's the game that will take place over in Bel Air tomorrow night. Go home the Bel Air! 8 o'clock p.m. is the tip-off for that. And Liberty's going to need more of what they got from Kyle Rode, both unsung and actually a little bit more in terms of offensive production, too. If you look back at the film against UTEP, Kyle didn't score a point until a minute ago, and even tonight, he does so many things that help your team on both ends of the floor. It's unstatable. Like, I know that's not a word, but the value that he creates for our group is immense. And, uh, yeah, I just love him being out there. Gives you a lot of... Linus was uh, the Charlie Brown, or the yeah, he gives you that security blanket. I'm going to miss that here in the, the coming years. Yes, I mean, I, obviously there's a fondness and appreciation for Kyle Road, not just from Richie McKay, but a lot of Flames fans who have been critical in a lot of areas. Uh, there's not much you can say about Kyle Road's game, uh, you know, other than you know, he didn't give us a lot in terms of commentary in the media, but I also get that's kind of his role. Um, trying to fit into what the, the team wants out of them. But, you know, 88-53 for Liberty. They dominated Middle Tennessee, but they're going to need more against Louisiana Tech tomorrow, and we'll get to more on that game in our votes of confidence coming up. But speaking of getting more, Virginia Tech, they got more out of their defense last night. They led early, they led at halftime, and they held on to that at NC State. Don't look now, but the Lady Hokies have strung together six wins in a row. Three of their last four have been on the road at teams in the ACC that are oftentimes ranked. I mean, you know, back half of the polls for a couple of them, but they won at Syracuse. They beat Virginia at home. Virginia Tech did. Then this past Sunday, a win at North Carolina. And then last night, what may be their most complete game of the year, the win at NC State. Although Kenny Brooks kind of dodged that when he was asked about it afterwards. Uh, You know what? You know, we're always constantly trying to get better trying to get better, trying to get better. Uh, so we're going to be critical of ourselves, and we know we can do certain things. But, you know, throughout the game, from start to finish, I thought they had an attitude, you know, that was really good. Um, uh, NC State took away some of the things that we really like to do. Uh, we kept our composure, and we found the second line, the second opportunity or the third opportunity, and uh, that's growth. That's growth, and we can continue to do that. You know, I think we're going to be hard uh, to guard. It's growth for this team. I mean, I get it. You, you, the, the attitude, we've said this about Virginia men's basketball, but they're because the Hoos are on an eight-game winning streak and in Virginia Tech, the Lady Hokies are on a six-game winning streak. But a lot of it's coaches trying to keep your team centered and grounded. But from the outside looking in, it's easy to say it's the most complete game when they hadn't really found their stride up until now. And now it's obvious that Virginia Tech, they have. It's also, you know, the best team they play. I mean, they this is the best team they played. They played them twice. They beat them in a buzzer beater. So Can I interject? Are they better than Iowa or LSU, or do you mean best in the ACC? Best in the ACC. Sorry, that's correct. Well, they might be better than LSU, not better than Iowa. So second best team they've Better than LSU disjointed right now, not what LSU could be at their best. Yes. But I would probably pick LSU to beat NC State. 
I, uh, let's here. Let's just keep it simple. The later LSU, I was. Uh, can I interject for just a second? The later LSU and NC State would meet in the tournament, the more it would mean that LSU they found their form and their upside. Let's, let's just keep it simple. K I S S. Iowa is ranked ahead of NC State. NC State is not ranked ahead of LSU, or LSU, NC State's ranked ahead of LSU. So if you want to go by the rankings, this is the second best team they played. Fair enough. That just leave it that way. The Hokies overall, granted, they're both against State, but they're two and two against those type teams. Their biggest counterpart in the in in the in the conference next to Notre Dame, who they'll play, which should be a good game coming down the stretch. But they thoroughly dominated that basketball game, winning by ten in car, in that arena. Which I have been in that arena for a. Uh, Virginia Tech NC State wrestling duel. It is a. It can be a very loud arena. The fans are very close to the court, but you know, I said this last night at Trailow VT. I said two two things. If Tech played like they did last night, there are very few teams in the country that can beat them. And then they had the emergence of Clara Strack, who was she didn't score much, but she was dominant on the offensive glass and her size most importantly being able to pair her size with Liz Kitley which is something that really hurt Virginia Tech and it's kind of been the weakness these last couple years with Liz is Liz is such a good post player but Tech has not been able to match up size so there's teams i.e. LSU what they did especially in that final four kind of able to use their size as an advantage if this freshman can play like she did last night, down the stretch, even if it's a bench roll, that's going to be huge for Virginia Tech, who I think their weakness in the last couple of years was the offensive glass and was rebounding, whereas they dominated the glass last night against a team that has size and can rebound in NC State. If they like that, that is the weakness. That's been the weakness of this team, and they were able to perform very well, and then ultimately. I I think at the end of the day they have the two best players in the com- in the conference and when you're a close game in the fourth quarter and your two best players play like they did that that just shows like how good like they're going to be the toughest team to beat in the ACC. It's true because of the talent, the pedigree, and the experience of having been there last year, and that's why. Georgia Amor wasn't quite ready to say that this surge is just like last year, but she was at least willing to entertain the surge of Virginia Tech right now, six-game winning streak, as to how it could be discussed relative to the Hokies finishing strong last year. Last year was last year, and this is a, a new team, new flow, but, I mean, it's getting towards February, early March, so I think, you know, this is the perfect time to hit that peak and continue on it. Um, I don't think we go in and say, this is where we were at last year, like, let's do this. Like, I couldn't even tell you what we were ranked last year or how many, whatever. It's just taking it one game at a time has really been our motto of one and know. And I think changing our mindset to that has very much helped us get on this little, I don't know, confidence streak, I guess. Georgia Amor, after the win last night against NC State. Try I, I was going to say, uh, I forgot to add, like, having freshmen step up like they've had is one, a sign in which, like, there is a fear, I bet, if you were a Virginia Tech fan, and it's not, I'm not here, and it's not the lack of confidence in Kenny Brooks, but when you have, what, maybe the two best players to ever play at Virginia Tech and on the women's basketball side, at least they're up there. Liz is, Liz is the greatest ever, and Georgia's right there. Like, it, they're going to be gone. Like, replacing that, you're starting to see that they have freshmen that can replace that. That feels really good that this program will be sustainable. But to add to that, having that sustainability in the program 
shows how their growth these last couple of years, tech, you know, and it's we can compare it to Coach Mox and UVA, and you've kind of touched on this. Like, early on with Kenny Brooks, Tech got out of the gate fast and then stumbled at the end in ACC play. Whereas now, I don't say they're stumbling out of the gates, but they are getting a lot better at building on the year and playing their best basketball at the right time, which is right now. And that is what they're doing. And they're playing not just their best basketball against you know average teams. It's some of the best teams in the country. Like They're doing it against Florida State, North Carolina, NC State. Those are all, all teams that are ranked and are really good basketball teams. This is a deep conference, and Tech, now in back-to-back years, is showing its dominance. Speaking of stepping up to the plate, you can't literally do that over at a Lynchburg Hillcats game at City Stadium, but you could already figuratively do that in... Watch them step up to the plate at InsaneRadioDeals.com. General admission tickets with that $10 food voucher and reserve tickets with a $10 food voucher. They're already back at InsaneRadioDeals.com. So whenever you're ready, plan the nights you and your family want to go to the game and then head on over to InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, speaking of the Hokies, that'll be a little bit later, but we have other topics to address to start the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Virginia Lady Cavaliers, you mentioned the surge that they've been on, Trey. They had one in the fourth quarter. They outscored Boston College by seven and won by seven, hitting the magic number of 73-66. to Virginia over BC, two teams at the bottom part of the ACC, but when you're trying to say you're a middle-of-the-pack ACC team and want to get higher than that, Virginia needed to win a game like this. It wasn't pretty, but they went on the road in the ACC and found a way to come out with a victory. Number four. Two nuggets when it comes to coaching. Chip Kelly is going to be an offensive coordinator, but not in the NFL. He is heading to the Ohio State University. I'll be honest, that was a bit of a surprise for me, Trey, because I I thought he would go to the NFL, but apparently he's going to a place where they already have enough NIL power and might that he can just be an offensive coordinator and let the uh, head coach, Ryan Day, handle all the ancillary stuff. And, uh, you know, I I do think this is part of the new model of college athletics. Yeah, so uh, at first I was shocked that he was the choice for Ohio State, but he was rumored to be fired in December where probably he should have been. Um, this is uh, Chip Kelly, you know, looking at his watch and like, you know, resetting it because uh, he he, do- he doesn't want to lose his job next year because, you know, that that is what he's doing. And guess what? He, he's, you know, he gave Ryan, you know, Ryan Day used to be his quarterback in New Hampshire. He's calling up his former player and he's throwing a line, helping him out because uh, I guess you're about to get why the Ohio State offensive coordinator job opened up because uh, Billy... Because- Number three. Trey, finish your sentence. Billy O is heading to Boston College as their new head coach, which is hilarious. Bill O'Brien, from being a Patriots assistant, formerly the head coach at Penn State and with the Houston Texans, is now the head coach at Boston College. 
I mean, I don't even know what to make of this because in his best moments, Bill O'Brien actually got a lot out of talent. He was in a, a rough spot at Penn State after those sanctions because of the Joe Paterno knowing about Jerry Sandusky but doing nothing about it and that whole scandal, which, I mean, I don't know why the NCAA got involved in that either, but, you know, that was a mess in and of itself. O'Brien actually made chicken salad out of you-know-what there. Then he went to the Texans, and they were in the playoffs a handful of years before, before the whole Deshaun Watson thing went south and Jack Easterby hijacked the organization. Um... I mean, he's been kind of all over the ringer in his spot. I guess if you want to be a coach, be a coach and go to Boston College. It'll test what your coaching acumen is because they're clearly not at the top of the NIL game in modern college sports. Number two. NFL awards announcements came out last night. Lamar Jackson, the MVP to the surprise of nobody, although there was one voter, Aaron Schatz, who did not vote for him. I can kind of understand it. I would have thought Brock Purdy had a compelling case, even though the, the end of the season didn't go in his favor. Christian McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year, no argument there. Miles Garrett is someone who in the offseason got him at 7.5-1. to one. I'm glad he ended up taking home Defensive Player of the Year. C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Look, any other year, Puka Nukua, the Rams wide receiver who had a pretty big game for BYU, even though Liberty smoked them a couple of years ago over on the mountain. But any other year, Nakua would win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It just wasn't last year. Look, as an Eagles fan, I'm fine with Will Anderson Jr. winning Defensive Rookie of the Year because of the way the Eagles' defense floundered down the stretch and Jalen Carter not bailing them out of that. Also, Kobe Turner, the former Richmond Spider, who was recently at Wake Forest, had a late surge with the Rams, but it wasn't as consistent as Will Anderson. Comeback Player of the Year, Joe Flacco. I get it. Uh, he played a little bit more than Damar Hamlin in terms of meaningful time. Yeah. But to me, if you're going to give it to on that case, give it to Baker Mayfield, who did it for an entire year. He didn't he came back from being bad i hate I, it's the same thing and i'm not trying to take away from what joe flacco did and the same thing with geno smith but let let like let's be like what ha, like the mental courage that demar hamlin had to do to step on the field including the same football field he had his episode on because he played in that game at cincinnati it's just he deserved it a lot more than Joe Flacco, and that's not to take away from Joe Flacco. Well, the point you make about Flacco that's very interesting is because if that's going to be the case, and he was that good, then you know should, you should be it, like most improved pro- player or something like that. There, there probably needs to be two separate categories. You know, come back from injuries or anything else. Most improved, a guy who stunk and then got better. Uh, Kevin Stefanski was coach of the year, but he also got an aid not just from Flacco and Miles Garrett, uh, but. Jim Schwartz, assistant coach of the year. Cam Hayward of the Steelers. Walter Payton, man of the year award winner. And now, a fun nugget to wrap up the Fast Five at Five-ish. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. The Virginia Tech Hokies got two commitments earlier today. The most amusing one, though, is three-star cornerback from Green Run. I'm not making this up, folks. Knowledge Harrell. And better yet, Knowledge is not spelled the way you think it would be spelled. It's K-N-A-H-L-I-J. K-N-A-H-L-I-J. Knowledge. Harold. Wow. Um, An A for creativity is probably a good way to describe that. And there is your Fast Five at five So we're going to pivot off our votes of confidence. When we return, WSET's Dave Walls for a couple of minutes. Then we'll have our votes of confidence. You may be burned out by all the Super Bowl talk, so we'll let Doc Walker give us more of that from a perspective of a former Super Bowl champion around 540 today. But Dave Walls, then our weekend outlook next here in the Fast Lane.